The revolution marches on as we head into the Amazon Synod. Today we're going to talk about some recent news, getting into the environment and all this other stuff. And what does Laudato see the ignorant native is what they used to be called in theology and, and, and the future of the revolution that by uh, certain ways of prayer and dress must stop. It's coming out in the news and we're going to get into it. Let's start with the prayer on this Feast, although it's Sunday, Feast of the Holy Archangels. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Michael, St. Gabriel, St. Raphael, pray for us. Our Lady, Queen of the Angels, pray for us. Coincidentally, St. Francis de Sales, in his Introduction to the Devout Life, tells us, Make yourself familiar with the angels, and behold them frequently in spirit, for without being seen, they are present to you. Fulton Sheen used to say that angels are persons that are spirits that have no body. And he'd say, that's their theme song. I've got no body. I ain't got, but that, neither here nor there today, St. Michael known for leading the charge and casting out the the, the evil uh, angels that rebelled from God out of heaven. St. Gabriel, who announced uh, even in Daniel, Daniel chapter 9, I think it is, when he when he talks about uh, the apocalypse and tells Daniel that a redeemer would come, and then later with uh, the Blessed Mother announces to her the plan of God and asks Mary whether she would go along. That's where the Annunciation comes and. uh St. Raphael, who comes, uh, medicine of God is what they often say, but he was sent to carry out God's will in helping Tobias. There's three. We know it's generally held that there's seven archangels because Raphael introduces themselves, I am one of seven who stand before the throne of God. We'll talk more about angels through today, but it's certainly worth asking for their intercession on this uh, September 29th, their feast. Speaking of which, the revolution seems to be turning everything inside out, doesn't it? I mean, uh, you'll get what I mean here in a minute. We talked about it earlier this week where we're going to cozy up to the devil and we're going to cozy up to these people of other faiths, but you people, you rigid semi-pelagian quasi-schismatic i can't i can't even get all of the insults out uh rough people like me who actually want to cling to bitter clingers to the past you know holding your bible and your guns we're not welcome we're pushed out you should kind of get a sense of what of that with thinking of today and today's feast right there in saint peter's square uh, the Pope unveiled a new sculpture titled Angels Unawares. Now, I'll give you one guess. Uh, you know, for us, the, the importance, uh, not only was it the gospel reading for the rich man and Lazarus today, uh, who Bishop Barron tweeted shows the problem of economic inequality. 
speaking of revolutions, comrades, uh, the problem is that there was an unequal distribution of wealth. And I've never heard that in the church fathers said that the problem was that the government should have equalized pay among them or made the economic situation better. I always thought the problem was the, the rich man just stepped over and avoided Lazarus and it's not that our Lord said he needed to give the poor man, Lazarus, any food. It's that he didn't even care about him. Seems like he never even, do you get the sense from the parable? He never even said, how are you doing today, Lazarus? Or even just talk to him like a person. The Lord said the poor will always have with us, but we're not supposed to ignore them, step over them like dubia cardinals, they shouldn't be ignored and stepped over and forgotten, right? Well, you should probably guess by now, Angels Unawares is a sculpture of white, a lot of white European-looking migrants packed on a boat. Bigger than life. I guess the, the figures of this gray bronze actually a better style than usual you ever notice that if it's something that's supposed to be beautiful think of a nativity you get these brutalized strange ugly but if it's something that really doesn't matter they'll actually make pretty good i mean it, it as far as sculpture goes you have to commend canadian timothy schmaltz who received the commission one year ago and finished it uh, for today. He said he's been sculpting uh, 24-7 to get it done. And I, I actually I can believe it. On a, on a technical merit, On it is technically a good-looking sculpture. Don't get me wrong there. I don't like the, the gray bronze thing, and I think it's too big. The Pope, uh, in the news things, they say it's going to be a permanent display. I'm not surprised because it was in the Pope's mind and the news thing. Today was the world day for migrants and refugees. Uh, Twitter reactions were about right. None of these look like the migrants that are coming around today. So I'm really not sure what all that's about. Maybe people have more comments about it, but I thought I'd point it out that here we are in the feast of the archangels. And the big concern is unveiling a sculpture of, uh, Migrants that don't look like migrants. I guess we're supposed to see ourselves in it so that we are more touched by them. I mentioned in the last uh, Bellman Forum podcast today, I'm going to call this a news update, news for September 2019. The Pope's continued the revolution of Cardinal De Avis. Recall that, you know, I brought it up. I'm just going to keep hammering this point. I, I, I think people need to understand that... Ch- this cardinal who's head of the Institutes for Religious Life believes that there needs to be a, quote, transformation of formation. Transformation. Uh, and he talks about going back to the fundamentals of the founding of each religious order. And he's been appointed one of the cardinal presidents. There's three on the uh, Amazon Synod. Now, he announced back at the end of July that the whole point of the Synod is that Pope Francis wishes to revisit and reconsider the celibacy of priests. 
And, you know, it's interesting because in that context, he said, well, celibacy doesn't cause the sexual abuse scandals. It's a maturity issue. Now, he made the comment in, in all of that that certain ways of prayer and dress must cease. He's talking about habits. He's talking about the offices that, uh, that religious orders will often have and their rule of life. And I, hopefully he's not talking about getting rid of the hours. Um, I mean, the Roman rite already use, uses a, the breviary, which is a, an abbreviated version of the full hours, which monks that participate in the full hours of the church, uh, I mean, they're, they're praying all day for the most part with short breaks. Well, the Pope picked up that uh, revolution and he had a story you know, you, I guess that's the way you package the Alinsky attack. Uh, some call this Pope Francis the Pope of insults, uh, which I was alluding to earlier, calling us uh, rigid. You know, this idea of rigidity keeps coming up. Uh, you know, if you weren't so rigid, you'd realize God could change his mind on things and we go with the times and get with the flow. And Pope gives a story about a Monsignor, you know, a stately Monsignor, the Pope course wasn't going to give monsignor titles remember that so it's kind of weird that the story within itself starts with this monsignor who visited uh, a clerical supply store and sees a young priest that's 25 buying uh, a saturno in a in a cape in the in the pope's story the monsignor says to the young priest i thought the church didn't allow women priests uh hmm yeah let's talk about coco palmario or some of the others there you know the not only is the story misplaced but it's an attack on younger priests who wish to wear traditional dress appropriate to the office of priesthood to the ordained priesthood not this fake priesthood that americans put out you know oh we're all part of the common priesthood no talking about ordained priests now wearing a a a saturno in a cape and a cassock the pope's comments went into uh he said that priests wearing a black cassock have you do so in order to hide moral issues there's always moral issues under the cassock i'm sorry that's just not right you know i see these guys let's talk about the priests that were from Supich's archdiocese, one was in the tribunal, and the other was over at that Casa Jesus, who decided to do uh, acts so inappropriate with each other that a cop, they were in a car parked on a public street, that a cop arrested them. They weren't wearing saturnos and cassocks. And, and as a matter of fact, the priests I know that would wear those things don't have those problems so either the insult is meant to project the problems of the priests that don't dress traditionally onto those that do or it's also this olinsky tactic of continuing the revolution where you're not like us and we're going to make you like us we're going to either push you out or make you one of us. 
that's, I think, the more dastardly end of this. I can't imagine how damaging that comment, that insult, that story, that fake story. I'm sorry, it didn't happen. That that was concocted somehow. Uh, you know, if you're a young priest and you're you're, you're getting your these guys are getting their uh, sea legs, so to speak, and here they got to listen to this stuff. And you know, I, I guarantee you, those things are repeated from. Uh, shall we just say some of the more progressive among the priest college in any diocese, they take heat for it. And here's the Pope pouring kerosene on the revolution. It's obvious to me, I'm just a lay person. I'm out here. I'm not even taking where there's so many articles written on it this week. And Twitter has been alight with people putting pictures of the Saturno up as a, as a way to build the, Again, you know, support the priests that do it and support the priests that are into those things because they're not going to be part of the revolution. Amen. I should say amen. It is, however, Father Paul Quay, SJ, wrote a book, Mystery Hidden in God for All Ages. And uh, Dijak had sent a quote to me this past week out of that book. Uh, I'd kind of forgotten about, but Quay gets into the idea of spiritual maturity and that mature Catholics, and we'll talk about Cardinal Davies, our chief revolutionary, uh, gets into the idea that uh, sexual uh, abuse among the clergy is a maturity versus immature issue and that they need standard education and it's not a, uh, a celibacy problem and all this jargon, just jargon. You read it and you're like, I'm not even sure what they're saying. We got into last time. Quay had mentioned that Catholics that reach a certain maturity in their spiritual life are always kind of shoved off into a ghetto because people recognize they're now different. You've seen this. Most of the viewers, most of the listeners of this podcast know exactly what Father Quay is talking about. You're different than them. Even the other Catholics that are less mature in their spiritual life who still make compromises with the world will keep those other Catholics in a ghetto. They'll ignore them. They pretty much don't want to be with them because they're different. Why would, so Quay in this book that Father Hardin called the best exposition of the Catholic faith in the 20th, written in the 20th century. Quay points out that even among fellow Catholics, those who reach a certain maturity of faith are ostracized by even other Catholics. You would, in, when I read Pius X, I never feel ostracized by Pius X. When I read Leo XIII, I never feel ostracized by him. And although some of the words are arcane, I can understand what they're writing. It's clearly written. Pope John Paul II, I never felt ostracized by the words of John Paul II. I felt encouraged. I felt part of the Catholic faith. I felt that maybe where I had challenges, that these were things that I could overcome by learning more, by offering more, by praying more. In other words, I felt encouraged towards spiritual life. 
I'm not sure where Pope Francis's insults, strange words. There's a good article by Father Rutler this past week where he talks about the the, the new way to write encyclicals, and he, he, he in typical Father Hutler, Rutler fashion, he t- says that. Acts of the Apostolic Sea volumes have been growing of late, and that the vocabulary, of course, has picked up a lot of peculiar words. It's worth it. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, but that's the same thing that's going on here. That I hear this stuff, and I, it's not that it's critical. It's that I can't see there's something obviously different. Father Quay says that the other Catholics will ostracize the mature Catholics because they are still making deals with the world. That sink in for a second. Making deals with the world because we're going to talk about it with the Amazon Synod. We should pay attention to those who say the revolution, the transformation of formation requires us to cease certain ways of prayer and dress deals with the world. Now, Catholic news service. Hmm, before we talk about Catholic news service, here's another little quote for you. St. Ambrose wrote in his monograph on the clergy practices. Now this is everything. It's just an idea, uh, a, a contrast so one saying to the priest, if you want to engage in a manner of dress that's traditionally and time-tested and time-honored for ordained priesthood, the Saturno and the cassock that, uh, you, you know, that's, a, that's a, a woman, that's a, being a woman priest. That's one of the things I want. It's interesting he makes a joke about women priests right before the Amazon Synod, but we'll get to that. St. Ambrose speaking to young priests and consecrated religious, those that would enter religious life. He says, nothing artificial is really pleasing. So I know priests that wear cassocks. I know priests that wear their religious habits and it doesn't matter where they go. God brings people to them. They're encouraged by it. They're pleased by it because just as they were promised when they took the habit with their final vows that it would be a sign of their consecration to God. Just like the cassock and the Saturno is a sign of the priest's consecration to God. These things mean something in the world. It causes people in airports to walk up to them and say, I haven't been to confession in years. It causes people to come up to them and say, I don't know who else would help me, but I saw your habit and can't you help? But if you're just wearing your, you know, your flannel shirt and your blue jeans sitting around like a beach bum, I guess the only thing that, since nobody's coming to you for help, the only thing you can do is go out and rail on the environmental woes, right? Well, that's precisely what Catholic News Service, which is operated by the USCCB, they had a busy uh, week or so reporting on a number of consecrated religious who apparently have joined the revolution, have thrown away certain ways of prayer, and definitely thrown away certain ways of dress. They highlighted, I thought this was interesting, there's a Dominican sister named Judy Bryan, and she's out in Seattle. She's the director of the Northwest Coalition for Responsible Investment. 
Well, these are people that go after institutional investors and threaten them and say, if you don't stop funding these people, we're going to say you're not Catholic. This is, think for a moment about pro-life activists who warn that certain, investing in certain companies that support abortion. That's a good use of this. Well, the, Catholic News Service was praising Sister Judy Bryan's work uh, to drop gun manufacturers to force institutional funds from investing in gun manufacturers, and she seeks to use the moment of the day. I, I, I don't know, you know, these people live in another world, but she says now's the time to end gun ownership. Um. So this is a great use of the consecrated life, right? Ending certain ways of prayer and dress. A picture shows her with a stylized uh, two kids holding up the world and um, short hair and no habit. And, um, well, I guess she's followed along the way the Amazon synod, care for the earth. Uh, we're not allowed to own guns. And uh, so... She's going to use the weapons of economics to to end gun ownership and stop in, uh, companies, threaten companies that invest in gun manufacturers. Good use, good great use of the of the consecrated religious life. Uh, uh, Alinsky, Lenin, Marx. Um, let me see who else in here. Uh, the Fabian socialists. They'd all be very proud of this. The the. Uh, all of them be very, I mean, it's clearly social justice work on this level is just, uh, it, that's, which group of quays will we put this in? Are these the Catholics forced into a ghetto for mature spiritual life? Or is this the group of Catholics still making deals with the world? Along the same line, CNS also reported a story by Florida Catholic. It showed Three Mercy Sisters holding signs on a street. Now, Mercy Sisters uh, own a, a huge, huge, huge bevy of Catholic hospitals. Billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars, right? These three nuns, Mercy Sisters, they've got purple t-shirts on. Uh, I'm not going to get into purple here. It's not Lent. Um, it's not a liturgical thing, but purple has meaning in certain groups. Uh, I, I'll leave you to Google it. I'll leave you to figure out all three. Uh, you think they're wearing habits? They're holding a signs that say mercy for earth. Their t-shirts have, mm, I guess at first glance, you might think that's a cross. It's not a crucifix though. And it's mercy for justice. Uh, sloganism, right? Jargon. It's great. To make any sense, mercy for justice. Their statement, their message, our planet and impacted communities are crying out. Now, because they said our planet and impacted communities, communities are people. So since the conjunction and they're separating two independent groups they mean the planet itself earth is crying out 
and they describe themselves and as people of faith. I love that. That's an AM church term, people of faith. Here, they're pulling us all in. We must demand an end to the age of fossil fuels and encourage our leaders to adopt practical solutions to begin healing earth. Think about that. Ending certain ways of prayer and dress. No habits on, purple t-shirts, mercy for justice, and placards, mercy for earth. And they're saying the planet's crying out. Um, and they need to end fossil. Just let that sink in a little bit. Money, uh, power, protest. Uh, so, you know, I, I think Lenin, Lenin uh, stormed the streets and, and, and rallied the people to, to justice through a revolution. Cardinal Davies says the revolution and prayer and ways of dress and so here where I see people that aren't talking about prayer and that don't have the religious dress but claim to be consecrated religious, this is the revolution. And I love that. Just listen to these quotes. People of faith. Healing our earth. Impacted communities. Yep. The revolution requires that we end certain ways of prayer and dress and deed. One heels of, let's pull a little bit of contrast into this, in the heels of the Buffalo Diocese crisis, which I guess that's still moving ahead. They've said that the only people they would allow in for an investigation would be the Vatican. I was wondering, you know, what if the FBI wants to investigate it? I don't think they'd be able to say no, but, uh, Bill Donahue, head of the Catholic League, announced that the so-called Notre Dame study is correct and that sexual misconduct in seminaries is very rare. Really? I, I, I don't even see, you know, as a lawyer, I was trying to look at this from a lawyer end and trying to get from, you know, lawyers sometimes will take a, 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 a stand, but it's one that should have some sort of uh, logical nexus back to facts. Um, you know, I've posted before a book by uh, Tony Gapardo, God fearing souls. And it was his firsthand account, his witness account of what he saw, witnessed, recorded, took notes on, and then reported in his book, God fearing souls as to what happened at the pontifical seminary, Josephinum in Columbus, Ohio, where he was a student in the mid nineties. And, Supich was rector. Um, that thing went all over the place. That article was read in all kinds of places. Uh, the Amazon reviews, I think, are kind of funny because people are picking on the book a little bit for its writing style. I'm like, of course you have to pick on the writing style because you don't like the factual information that the guy reported. It was a nightmare. And I can tell you from anecdotes that I've received from many people in the wake of that, it hasn't gotten any better. Tony's prediction at the end of the book that nothing will change. It'll just take them some time to rebuild pretty much the same, at least from the things I hear from people. I do know uh, uh, several seminarians now who seem to be getting along fine. So maybe it is better in the sense that you can, uh, uh, you can at least uh, manage. Um, 
you're not run out the way Tony was, uh, which is interesting. Nonetheless, I just thought that was uh, worth pointing out that uh, Bill Donahue thinks that there's it's very rare that there's sexual abuse in seminaries, and, and maybe his point is to deflect from what's happening in a Buffalo diocese where, uh, if I understand the allegations correctly, a love triangle between uh, two seminarians and the bishop, or I might have the I might have how that uh, romance, or if you I don't even know what you call it. I might even have it wrong how many people were involved in this tryst of uh, um, mm, fornication is not the right word. Uh, homosexual tryst, I guess we'll call it. Uh, who had three or more people involved and it's just a mess. It's a mess. But uh, according to Bill Donahue, it's rare. It's very rare. Um. So the synod begins this week. The working document, I, I, you know, I, 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 I had to do this because the working document is published in English. And I mentioned last podcast episode, I mentioned the jargon of the church and how they seem to hide behind it and it's gotten worse. I went and I looked, and Mortimer Adler had—he was a sort of a pop uh, philosopher. That what I thought Mortimer Adler did really well is he he, he kind of broke down um, rhetoric and a lot of other well-known uh, pieces of philosophy into and backed it up with modern. He was trying to get corporations to understand that philosophy is useful for business too. But he, he got into communication, and it reminded me, um, you might have seen the word before. If you ever used a Microsoft Word, they have a, a statistics and analytics thing that will look at the readability and the statistics of a document you have in it. And I didn't use Word for this, but you've seen the word Fleesh, F-L-I-E-S-C-H. Fleesh did a study uh, on, on the words used by businesses leading up to the Great Depression. And we got, he came up with a method of, through some calculations, determining the clarity of a document and assigning a score to it, a relatively objective score, meaning uh, you can apply the same test across a diverse set of documents. And people generally agree that the, the, that the, the reading ease, as he called it, it can be measured reliably, objectively. Now, the flesh, and I misspelled it, it's F-L-E-S-C-H, no, no I in there. The, the flesh reading ease, he found out for companies that wound up failing in the Great Depression, they had low scores. It was very hard to read. Companies that survived the Great Depression and thrived and did better, their, their leadership of their company communicated very clearly, didn't use jargon, no doublespeak, and didn't have vague language in their company communications. They had scores like 40 and above and up from that. So I just thought it was interesting. I thought, let's look at the, at the, at the Amazon Synod's working document just to get some stats about it. According to what I saw posted on the Vatican website, there's many, 
many, many, very difficult to read paragraphs in it. Overall, the score that I got for it was 50. Now, that's not bad. On its own, that's not bad. But many paragraphs had scores that were as low as nine, meaning they're obtuse, they're difficult to read, they're thick. Um, there's some other some other uh, problems with the document that on a grammatic level, there's a, roughly 130 paragraphs and everything, 31 of which are easy to read, 81 are very difficult to read paragraphs. These are paragraphs the way the flesh scale, the flesh score is below 20. Now, if we look at what that score came up with and what it was designed to do, it was designed to predict people that are hiding the ball, that know there's a problem and they're hiding the ball in their language. So there's among the criticism that's out there, it's supported by uh, scientific tools that we have for looking at this in language. Um, it, it's interesting that there's a something called a glue index, which talks about um, sentences that contain too many common words. They slow your reader down, things like that. Uh, there's several sticky sentences, and the glue index is 44% for the whole thing, which means it's, 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 it's just, it's got a lot of problems as far as readability goes. The uh, I think it's interesting that the top uh, some of the top phrases, the top ten word phrase in the document, are new paths for the church and for an integral ecology. If you know what that means, good for you. It's, it comes up three times. There's some other top phrases that are in it five times. The, and this is uh, uh, amazing because it, it's a, a, the sacred name of Jesus is mentioned, but five times it says, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus in the Amazonia. Not bad. Not bad. It keeps mentioning the Amazon basin in the Amazon in the Amazonia. Um, what I think is interesting is 13 times the document mentions with an Amazonian face. Interesting talks about the people of God in uh, the top two-word phrase in the entire document is the Amazon, mentioned 39 times. The church is mentioned 38 times. Of God, 33 times. The Amazonia, 28 times. Now, I don't know the difference between the Amazonia and the Amazon. So I think it, you know, just on a grammatical and I did use the, uh, I did use uh, just kind of a little bit of a quick read through it, you know, and this is just me looking at it without uh, Cardinal Burke, Cardinal Mueller have things to say about this document, and I agree with the things they're saying. But I just thought it was kind of interesting that one of the synod presidents says that the first thing that they're supposed to do is look at the uh, need for, uh, celibacy among priests some people are expecting there to be open the idea of women priests um but i think that's interesting is that the document itself talks about new paths for pastoral care call for quote relaunching the work of the church 
and a process of in diving deeper, deep dives. That's good business jargon. Diving deeper into the process of enculturation, which requires the church to re, in the region to make contiguous, no, courageous proposals. Courageous. Courageous proposals. Courageous is in quotes. Daring and fearless attitudes that Pope Francis asks of all of us. Daring and fearless, like insulting young priests, that kind of daring and fearless. I don't know. But uh, Pope Francis is quoted in it that uh, we ourselves listen to this, talk about the revolution inverting the things the way things ought to be. They mentioned pre-Columbian cultures offered to the Spanish people that came in. So they're talking about what the natives did better than the Spanish Christians that came. They taught them uh, bridges and points of contact. There's those bridges and margins things, such as an openness to God's activity. They didn't believe in God. They believed the sun was a god. And it you'd rip people's hearts out to keep the sun going. Let's get this straight. You can't they're not talking about the same God that we believe in as Catholics. And there's a sense of gratitude for the French fruits of the earth. I guess that's why the Mercy Sisters were wearing the Mercy for Earth or Mercy for Justice or I don't, whatever their sign said, Mercy for Earth. Sacredness of human life, that's why you rip people's hearts out and sacrifice children to the God, not our God, to whatever God they were worshiping, the feathered winged serpent. In some places, where you get to one end of the Amazon, at the other end of the Amazon, it was just flat out worshiping the sun. Take your pick. Now, and there's a number of other pagan gods or demons that were worshiped in that area. I, 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 I mean, you can't... I guess that by putting quotes around it and calling it nice things, we're all just supposed to overlook what the natives were up to, right? But they're saying that there was a a, a solidarity and co-responsibility and joint efforts with the natives and the Christians that came. And there was the, again, now get this, this blows my mind. Pyramids, uh, sacrificing people, Child sacrifice, but meant to believe that if we don't do this, the world will stop and we won't have weather that will support our crops. Get this. The document praises the importance of worship and the belief in life beyond the grave as well as so many other values. What? Uh, okay, so, so, so we're supposed to, like, I guess we're supposed to honor this. That's why Pope Francis is, uh, we need to, this is a quote, we need to let ourselves be evangelized by them. Really? Can you see what's coming? Everybody saw in the past few weeks that poor 16-year-old Greta Thunberg is being used as a human shield by the bank robbers of climate change holding her out in front of it. And if anybody criticizes the agenda, they immediately said, well, you shouldn't pick on Greta. The Amazon Synod is now taking the natives of the Amazonia Amazon Basin, holding them as 
hostages as human shields. Can you see it? Insult and injure us. If you say anything about the synod, it's these poor people are smarter than us. And look at them. They, you know, they have much to teach us. I could be wrong, but I mean, I, I, apparently I'm not because the words are right there. They need, we need to be evangelized by them and by their cultures. And that the new evangelization implies lending our voice to their cause. More business jargon. We're going to reach out to them, circle back. Uh, we're going to collaborate on new uh, high-value outcomes for the region. Sound familiar? Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean you know, just donate now and you will help us in the region uh, bring hope and peace to these natives. But they're not going there. That's the part that blows my mind. If they, you know, there's 185 members and 114 actually come from the Amazon but apparently 70 of them can't be bothered with going to the Amazon. They're going to stay in Rome. And so the synod's happening in Rome. So all this talk about, but, you know, I guess neither here nor there because 114 of them. And then there's other strange language out there that, well, this is to talk about the problems of the church there. Here's where I think one of the issues with the Amazon synod is that's kind of brought up, I'm kind of, reading between the lines of Burke and Mueller's well, well, and I'm sure you're aware of it, well done criticisms of the doc. They're smarter than me. They're no more than me. But what I keep seeing is this Vatican II talked about local tradition and so many of these Marxist revolutionary ideas tried to build the church of small cells, the, the, the home church, small faith communities, local communities, and you see that hyper, sort of hyper presented in this Amazon synod that this small, you know, years ago there was a BBC documentary, The Lost Tribe of the Amazon, and they found these river people that had not had human contact with the outsiders. It's pretty much the, the wild native that shoot poison darts in your throat if you got too close. And, you know, they're holding arrows up and stuff like that. That's what these people need a special church. And the people up the river that are different than them in a different village, they need a different church. We've seen how that works in America. You hear it. It's, it persists to this day where Amchurch parishes. Well, now, you know, the busybody lay woman goes up there to make the announcement ahead of time. We welcome everybody to our parish community. You know, if they even say, they use the word parish. And they'll say, it is our local tradition to welcome each other. You've heard that. That's what's going on here. They're going to do it church-wise. And they're using this Amazon Synod. Am I wrong? Isn't the Amazon the longest, one of the the longest rivers in the world? Goes all that span of South America, all those different people, villages, and cultures all along it. It's kind of a metaphor for, well, these people are different than those people, and they all need their own thing. It's just, it's being done. It's the American experiment done on a bigger scale. In some ways. We'll have to see. Hopefully none of that comes true. Hopefully none of that happens. Hopefully it's just a couple footnotes that hang out there without any clarity. And that when people ask for an answer to, they get ignored. Just like 
Now, for the fourth time, the College of Cardinals are supposed to have met, but the Pope decided not to. I guess because if they met, the business of Cardinals and dealing with open questions like dubious would have to be answered, right? Maybe the Synod will play out the same way as a Morris Letizia and pardon my French here, but the dumb Laudato C, which is just crap. Um, this is coming from somebody that's been an environmental attorney and a chemical engineer on environmental matters. I've dealt with a lot of highly hazardous things. I do have a concern for the earth and for the safety of a lot of things. But uh, the way this is interpreted by banksters and climate change operators and people that hide behind 16-year-old girls uh, like bank robbers, uh, it just shouldn't happen theologically either. They shouldn't be holding up the uh, small Amazon villagers as a, uh, that we need to be evangelized by them. No. This is baloney. It's just, it, I don't even get it. Somebody, it's like we're at the deli counter and they're just slicing baloney all day. And throwing insults at us while they're doing it. Well, just let's go out on something a little bit better. Earlier this week, young lady brought a couple Catholic converts that she helped bring to the Catholic faith, and the Pope frowned upon that. I'm going to praise one of those Catholic converts from the last century, well, two centuries ago now, Frederick Faber, who started off as Anglican and became Catholic. And he wrote a hymn, in a few days we celebrate the Feast of the Guardian Angels. He wrote a hymn to my guardian angel. And I love this little line. Dear angel, ever at my side, how loving must thou be to leave thy home in heaven to guard a guilty wretch like me. May our guardian angels pray for us. We started it off with that quote from St. Francis de Sales. And I'm going to encourage you, I'll be able to put something up from Father Harden again uh, on, on our guardian angel and how we ought to be friends with them. And as we head into the time of the year, we talk about the four last things. Start making friends with your guardian angel now. He's going to be with you at your judgment. Do you want him to say he never spoke to me? What would that be like? You should make buddies with your angel. At least talk with him and ask for his assistance so that when he stands there as you're judged, at least he won't be stuck saying he never talked to me, right? Let's go out with a prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of Angels, pray for us. You have been listening to a podcast, a news review of the Bellarmine Forum. The Bellarmine Forum is underwritten, and podcasts like these are underwritten by an anonymous donor that asks us to say our rosary daily and asks the forum to remind you to say your rosary daily. October is the month of the Holy Rosary. Just remember, the leader of the revolution against prayer and traditional religious attire is ahead of the Amazon Synod. Comrades, it's here. The, the revolution's here, and they want us out.